as Christians who claim to be followers of Jesus, who claim to be followers of his way, which is a really simple way of saying that the things that Jesus would say, we would say. The behaviors that he would engage in, we would engage in. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It's not merely the articulating of his name or not merely the uh, quoting of some scriptures because James chapter 2 makes it very clear that a demon can do the very same thing. And, and if we are Christians in Amoni, we are like the man in James that can look into a mirror and then walk away and forget what he was looking at. And so we have to be uh, those who both hear and both do. And so there's uh, tremendous responsibilities to be a follower of Jesus. And, and it seems, you know, in, after all my years, uh, our relationships and what it means to be a friend are kind of one of the proving grounds of, of how we do wisdom because it's all about relationships. And so um, I need God's grace right now. I need God's favor. And so I want to pray and ask him to be a part of this right now. Abba, Father, you are kind beyond anything I could imagine. I'm so grateful that your glory reaches the heavens. And I'm so grateful that nothing separates us from your love. And that you are faithful. Uh, God, your word is alive. It's living and it can get right down to the deep, deep heart motives that we have. And, and the needs that we have, even in those places inside us. And, and God, I ask you to, to, to do your deep work. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. And I pray right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you. And thank you, Abba Father, for these amazing people. I'm asking now for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do with, with uh, the, the series on friends is I have picked out some real salient verses in Proverbs. And I'm going to, there's a little bit of a lane that we're running in pretty much Proverbs. Can we grab other verses in the Old Testament? Of course. Other verses in the New Testament? Of course. And if you're going to hit every verse that has to do with the relationship, man, this will be a, a two-year study. So uh, kind of narrowing the field a bit just to Proverbs in key verses in Proverbs. This is what we're going to find on wisdom and friendship and how we who want a heart of wisdom would pursue that. Now you remember that wisdom, chokmah in Hebrew, wisdom isn't just... Um, you know, the life hack idea like Ben Franklin, uh, you know, a stitch in time saves nine or a penny saved, penny earned, that kind of stuff. Although that's true. That is very, very true. And there are things in the book of Proverbs that are so practical about money, about livestock. Sure, sure, sure. Just the practical stuff. But there's another side of it where when you really have the wisdom of God, you're living out practically God's will. It's not just learn, learning how to maximize your harvest or your, your livestock or something. It's about following after God. And that's very different than just local kind of, kind of ideas. Uh, lots of cultures, Egypt, Mesopotamia, Sumerian cultures, all have their proverbs. Um, so that's nothing new that a culture produces wisdom statements. But in the scriptures, uh, these reflect the mind of God. And so we have to understand that that's what's happening. So look at this. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person spreads strife, 
and a slanderer separates close friends. Aluf in Hebrew, aluf, separates close friends. Now, that word is really important, and we got to develop it just a little bit. Um, many of us have pets, dogs. I know you guys, uh, uh, Moose went to dog school, right? Yes. Okay. Um, think of it as a pet uh, that is tamed or domesticated. Think of livestock that's domesticated. That's a part of what the word aloof means. In other words, it's saying, hey, I, I, I met this guy, we became friends, and we're tame with each other. We're controlled because we've worked everything out. All right? So it's a solid relationship. It's a solid friendship. And it's worked out all the kinks in the relationship. It's domesticated. It's safe. It's a good, solid friendship. But even that kind of relationship, that kind of friendship, can be deeply harmed and damaged by slander. Okay? So one of the first things you want to pay attention to, that if you're going to have wisdom in your relationships, be very careful what you say and be very careful what someone tells you about somebody else. Be very careful. Uh, and there's lots of proverbs on what you do with stuff you hear. And surely none of us in a crowd of this size, and surely none of us on Facebook in a crowd of that size would not fact check everything, right? Thank you for grinning, Nikki. That was the whole point of that. Thank you. We've got to be careful what we hear, huh? And not just take it blindly. Okay. You have to be careful. Slander can destroy even a close friendship that is tamed and seems to have worked out all the, all the problems. And it's a really strong relationship. It can be destroyed. <laughs> Proverbs 17.9. This is absolutely beautiful. Talk about grace in the Old Testament. One who conceals an offense seeks love. But one who repeats a matter separates close friends. That's that word again, aloof. One who repeats a matter separates friends. Um, do you understand, do I understand, that sometimes we need to stop talking? <laughs> Is that fair? <laughs> stop talking. There are some things that don't need to be repeated. Just be quiet. It's okay to not open your, up, your mouth up and, and talk. In fact, Proverbs says that a fool utters all his mind. And just because it's between your ears doesn't mean it has to be said, right? Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it should be said. One who conceals an offense seeks love. But one who re repeats a matter separates closely bound friends. Now, this is really fascinating because that one idea is repeated three other times. Proverbs 10. Hatred stirs up strife. Love covers an offense. Now, a bit about James. This is really interesting. Uh, I'm assuming everyone is aware that James was not one of the 12 disciples. Does that make sense, Randy? Okay, you're so clean-shaven and handsome. Oh, my goodness. He's not one of the 12. He's not. In fact, amen. See, I got an amen out of that one. In fact, James seems to be kind of in the margin. Kind of in the background. It's Jesus and the twelve. And then it's the apostles. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when you read the Acts narrative, 
Peter kind of goes to the background. He kind of fades out like he's on a mission trip. And then all of a sudden to the forefront is this dude named James, the brother, the blood brother of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he becomes the lead apostle. And Lee, he did not walk with Jesus for three years, apparently. It's not recorded that he did. And yet he is now leading the apostles out of Jerusalem. There's a book called um, Jonathan Church History. And it's the first by Eusebius. You may have, you may have heard about it. There's, there's a paragraph of what James looked like. And it said that he refused to take a bath. And he was, he was filthy. And his knees were worn out because he constantly knelt in prayer. Fascinating guy. Refused to bathe. Was filthy. Dreadlocks and, and nasty hair. And he had worn out knees because he always prayed on his knees. James, that James, by the way, who's very, very Jewish, is the guy that said, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. He got that. James got it. And then Peter got it. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It is interesting that Proverbs 25 verse 1 says, it is the glory of a king to search out a matter. And it's the glory of God to cover it up. Did you hear? This is grace. It's the glory of a king, a police officer, Brian. It's your job to search it out. Be a detective. Find out if there's a criminal offense. If there is, a charge is made. There's an arrest and punishment ensues. It's the glory of a king to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to be quiet about it. Psalm 130, Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. If you're counting God, we're in trouble. But there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And the the scriptures also say that God takes our sins, puts them behind his back. God takes our sins, puts them in the depths of the sea. God conceals, love conceals. In fact, it covers a multitude of sins. So, are you a good friend? Do you cover? Or do you think it's your job to expose? Uh, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all time. And a brother is born for adversity. Re'eh in Hebrew. Re'eh. Uh, and this is a really common word for friend. So you're going to see this one a lot. A friend loves at all times. Which is beautiful. By the way, please don't misunderstand me. Misunderstand me if I remember we're running in kind of a narrow lane this morning. Um, if I say to you it's not raining right now, you might say, "Oh yeah, well it's raining someplace on planet Earth." Okay, you can take the opposite. All right, all right, boy, we got we really made progress on that one. Sure. Um, don't. Yes. Do we need to confront each other? Yes. Iron sharpens iron. Okay, you got it. But let's run in this lane for a little bit. Okay, a friend. Loves at all times. That's beautiful. A friend. He understands love and that love covers. How about this one? This is amazing. Proverbs 18.24. A person of too many friends comes to ruin. (laughs) But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, There's just so much time in the day, isn't there? There's just so much time in the day. 
A man of many friends can come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer to a, bro- to a brother, or then a brother. Um, some of you in your relationships, perhaps with your family, I know certainly it's true of my family and my extended family in Massachusetts that I have friends who are far closer to me and our bond of love is far deeper than my own blood kin. Yeah. Many will seek the favor of a generous person and every person is a friend to him who gives gifts. There's something about generosity that's attractive. Just attractive, yeah. Proverbs 22, 11. One who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious. The king is his friend. You know, there's something about a person with a pure heart and gracious speech who just does well in relationships, you know? It's good. Do not make friends with a person given to anger. This is a difficult one here. Or go with a hot-tempered person because you'll learn his ways and find a snare for yourselves. So there's some people we got to be really careful with who are, who are given to anger, hot-headedness, because it's very, very hard to get along with those kinds of people. And it's not uncommon that you actually get tripped up in the very same problem of anger as a part of that. Just a few more, and I want to turn this over to you. It's going to be beautiful. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That's a tough one. What's going on with that one? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Ahav in Hebrew. Ahav. It's translated as friend. Could easily be translated as lover. It's literally, when you see it throughout the Old Testament, it's commonly used as a loved one. uh, The love of a parent for a child the love of a dear friend for a friend, a lover as in a spouse. Faithful are the wounds of someone who genuinely loves you. Faithful are the wounds of someone who genuinely loves you, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs says, bruising wounds clean away evil and blows cleanse the innermost parts. Now, can I... Can I Rock your wagon, just your, your, your apple cart just a little bit. We are not ancient Mediterranean persons. We are not. We are, we are modern people. And when he's talking about a wound, he's, he's talking something similar to a punch, getting punched. And I, you know, I wish I, I, I couldn't say it's literal, but it is. That's what it means. You know, there's something about getting punched, getting smacked, that would cause a bruise. Now, you and I would call that assault and battery, and you don't do that today, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But the fact is, we don't live back in this culture where someone might grab you by the scruff of the neck, take you behind the barn, and give you an old country whooping. All right? But that's some of the language here. It's tough. This is a tough time, right? This is not like us where we're, we, uh, we, would ne- we would never do that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Chav, someone who genuinely loves you, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs says, the guy that wakes up early in the morning to brag on you in front of everybody else is like a cloud that does not bring rain, and it's going to actually be counted as a curse. 
Some people say things to you that are positive and they're doing it as an attention-getting device. They're complimenting you because they're prepared to manipulate you. And you think that kiss feels good on the cheek, but you have no idea that you're about to be stung. Can I confess something? I don't mind being wounded by someone that genuinely loves me. I really don't like it when someone wounds me because they want to manipulate me. I don't like that. I bet you're kind of like that too. I'm guessing, I'm guessing, all right. First Peter 4, 1 and 2. Peter writes that, that when we suffer in the flesh, and it's really, it's, it's, this, is, this is the meat of the word. This is not the milk. When we suffer in the, in the flesh, a spirit is broken. Jesus, when he suffered in the flesh, it said, there's no more sin. And when you learn to suffer in the, the flesh for your faith, a spirit of, of dysfunction and disobedience and sinfulness is broken because we understand the purpose of suffering. Faithful are the wounds of someone who loves you very, very much. Proverbs um, 27.9, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And a person's advice is sweet to his friend. Wow. You know, I, I think about the times I have been, I'd share a cup of coffee with someone who loves me very much. And the advice they give is so sweet to my ears. And I certainly hope that I would give that to them. We need to give advice as friends. Proverbs 27.10, do not abandon your friend or your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house on the day of your disaster. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Very ancient Mediterranean idea, by the way, right there. Don't abandon your friend or your father's friend. Let me make a very quick comment for you who have hearts bent to chase after wisdom. Yes, there is wisdom in honoring your friends. There's wisdom in honoring the friends of your parents. Sometimes I, I think that we as very modern people have disregard for the generations. We disregard the young. The old disregard the young. They're bothersome and immature and selfish and irresponsible. And snowflakes and words like snowflakes come out. You know. And then the young have no regard for the old. They're cranky, judgmental, bitter. All their rules like, you know, no grace, you know. We've missed something about the generations. We've missed something about the gray hair. We've missed something about the passion of youth and the vitality of, of charging and, and going hard after life. We miss that. Don't abandon your friends. Yes, don't abandon your father's friends. Pay attention to relationships on multi-generations. Very important. All right, I have no idea. It's asking that. I'm pretty sure it's Twitter, Apple, and China, and Russia that's trying to scam you right now. So, and they are going to shut down our power grid and take away our food, and you can't use your internet. It's just a matter of time. I think it's going to happen in the next four hours. Quick, run. That wasn't very funny, was it? See, I've been getting that all stuff on, paranoid stuff on Facebook, Joe. Thank you for laughing. We're going to be okay. All right, 1 Corinthians 2, 
a little bit about the church at Corinth. Um, in the church of Corinth, or rather the city of Corinth, there were there was a culture that the smartest people, the wisest people, were professional talkers. Okay, they were the most educated, they were the most persuasive. They're involved in the legal system, high talking, fancy worded people. All right, and they would pride themselves on their ability to talk. If you remember, it's the church at Corinth that had so many problems with speaking in tongues. And that's a part of the backstory. Using your mouth and your words to get attention. And Paul says, hey, we've got to rein that in. We've got to rein it in. Paul is trying to teach them. And he says, when you come together as the body of Christ, which is what we're doing right now, your responsibility is to take what is taught by the Holy Spirit and combine your spiritual thoughts with spiritual words, right? This is when we do fellowship. This is when we own the teaching of Scripture. So I, I want to ask you to please combine your spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Um, those on Facebook, please, uh, please check in with Stephen, but, but um, please ask a question. We want to learn, and I need your wise counsel. So in summary... A friend can be destroyed by slander. A friend conceals an offense through love. A friend loves at all time. A friend may be more faithful than a blood relative. A friend is drawn by generosity. A friend who has a pure heart and pure speech will be friends with a king. A friend of the hot-tempered person will be trapped in their own anger. Wounds. A friend wounds, but he does so. She does so in love. A friend gives advice that feels like sweet encouragement. And a friend has not abandoned a friend. Christ Church, you are the body of Christ. His spirit has gifted you. We may need to hear words of mercy, prophetic words, encouraging words, discerning words. You are the church. If we're going to be people of wisdom, what are the implications in how we handle relationships? Um, I was talking to Joe earlier in our political culture. Now is the perfect time for Christians to act with dignity, restraint, honor, and love. The perfect time to show, oh, what is it called? The fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Yeah, that stuff's attractive. So how we do relationships is critical. You're the body of Christ. How would you counsel us on wisdom and relationships and how we relate to each other and struggles we may have? You're the church. How do we now live? What would you say? Stephen, anybody online yet? Okay. Pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, number seven spoke to me because I think it's, it's not just like close relationships. I mean, anger is, is pretty um, contagious, and we're living in a culture of anger now. Yeah. Every time we turn around, somebody's mad, and if you're not mad, there's something wrong with you for not being mad. Yeah. So going back to what you said about the fruits of the Spirit, I think that keeping number seven in mind and trying to keep ourselves a 
away from that anger, still, I mean, not hiding our heads in the sand, but just, you know, <coughs> knowing that we can be vulnerable to getting angry and then just, you know, outwardly pushing those fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. To yeah. help other people, too. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, that's wise. If we don't join in, in their anger, then we're not endorsing what they believe in or something. Sure. Someone else. How would we live? Chris, I think when it comes to friendship, obviously it's a two-way street. You can't be friends with nobody. That's not friendship. That's right. all I can do at that point. Yeah. One thing that I've, I've pulled from, from today's teaching is the fact that having that friendship where you're able to both punch and be punched, <laughs> sharpening that iron, requires a level of vulnerability that you trust that person who gives you that punch. Yeah. Something that I think is difficult because <clears throat> to open up ourselves to a person and not to a lot of people, as Proverbs talks about, you know, sure. for, you know, be careful how many friends you have and the level of intimacy you have with those friends. But yeah. being able to find someone or find a, a, a specific group of people that you're willing to say, Here, these are my warts, hmm. these are the things that trouble me. How can I? correction in that and be willing to receive that correction in a way where love is the through line to all that. It's not about what makes me right and you wrong or vice versa. It's about can I take the punch essentially. Yeah. That's so good. That is so good. Iron sharpens iron. I think that's Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Iron sharpens the one man's countenance character. Sharpens challenges the countenance of another. So James, you can say something. Somebody else? Yes sir, Randy? I have a question for you. Uh -oh. um, from a clinical perspective, it's okay. a term that I'm not well knowledgeable okay. of. It's called cognitive complexity. Okay. Um, Dr. Tim Muehlhoff talked about this at a conference that and I went to several years ago, okay. but it kind of reinforces what Pat was talking about. Um, understanding the person who is giving you advice <coughs> or who is spouting off things in anger, cognitive complexity, um, understanding where they got that opinion before you give them counsel. Yes. And then you, you had a slide up there that said, pray before you speak. Yes. <clears throat> bringing the Holy Spirit into your mindset, yeah. Yeah. knowing that God will give you wisdom. There's a saying that says, the further you are from a problem, the more accurate are your solutions, which is kind of uh, the trouble we get into is we don't understand the other person. And yeah. so we need to understand them so that we can communicate with them. Yeah. We can understand why they reached that solution and then give God godly wisdom and say, yeah, here's another yeah. way for you to think about this because yeah. I see this differently. Yeah. You know, James chapter 1 verse 19 says, you know, that we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We sometimes stop there. Verse 20 says, the, the, the anger that we have does not achieve the righteousness of God. Okay? Our anger does not accomplish the righteous purposes of God. So you've heard me said before, uh, among my charismatic friends, and certainly even in my journey of faith, 
Uh, it's hard to tell the difference between your own emotions and the Holy Spirit. It's hard, you know. It's also tell the di- it's hard to tell the difference between being angry and being right. It's very hard. Because sometimes when we get angry, we think by default we are right. <laughs> when in fact we are not. And Proverbs says that be careful when you give your opinion. Because what does the second man do, Joe? He comes in and what? He examines you and humiliates you. So be careful of shooting your mouth off prematurely. Study and understand and listen. Listen. Uh, do you think that would help a marriage? I think you guys know a thing or two about marriage. Most definitely. You think? Yeah, there's a book that's written called The Way We Love. Yeah. And it's basically talking about how we understand our spouse before we give a response back to our spouse. Yeah. Randy, have you studied any of that? What's called a presenting problem as opposed to a core problem? What would that be? Presenting a problem back to the person who is giving the problem so that they make sure you're understanding them correctly. Yeah. Is that right? Well, uh, not different? so much, but it oh. sounded great what you said. <laughs> <laughs> right in there. Then the answer is no, I don't. Okay. So, so it's, it, it's, it's, I know you and Edgar have never had this fight, but let's pretend it's true. You have a knockdown drag out over drink by or sell by on the carton of milk. That's the presenting problem. Do you think it's the real problem? Not at all. Not at all. It's not the core problem, it's the presenting problem. Like how you squeeze the toothpaste, you know, how you, the toilet paper comes off the roll and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, gotta listen. Quick, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So, you're doing so well, Steve. Steve? Yeah, online, uh, Susan Stewart says, we can see from scripture that friendships are very important. Because of this, we need to choose our friends wisely and make sure that the friends who we hold close and trust share our same values and convictions. Yes. We must not be unequally yoked. And she references 2 Corinthians 6, 14, which says, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has life with darkness. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you, Susan. And, and that is wise. Um, you know, Jesus, it's interesting that who did Jesus invite over for dinner? Who is he friends with? You know, uh, he had the ability to pull people in who were broken. And, you know, would Jesus go to a bar to hang out with people and build friendships? I think he would. I actually think he would. But guess what? When he shows up, what happens? <laughs> Everything changes. He doesn't blend in and act like one of them. There's the difference. Um, back when I used to do some pretty serious weightlifting, uh, uh, did you, you broke 315, didn't you, on the deadlift? Yeah. You know, there's something called gravity, right? <laughs> and you're deadlifting 315, that's a whole lot of gravity and a lot of energy there. You know, spiritually, here's the thing. If you've got the spiritual muscle to be the pull of moral gravity, the downward pull of moral gravity, invite them over for dinner. But if you don't, and moral gravity is going to overpower you, then don't invite them to dinner. Be very careful with your friend Susan. That's well-spoken. Um, Stephen, someone else? Yeah, Phil Deere says, uh, good morning, Christ Church. I think another key component to friendship is continual growth and love toward one another. Mm. As we go through different seasons, long-term friend is able to gather a deeper understanding of who you are and how you love others. 
I also think a long-term friend is able to put aside grievances easier in order to preserve the longevity of the friendship. Mm. Thank you, Philip. That is so true. That is so true. Someone else. Uh, yes, Terry. I have found that some of the closest relationships, friendships I've been involved in have developed through adversity, mm. through trials. Yes, yes. And later on, again, I have found that you don't have to say anything. All you have to do is be there yes. in annual silence. Yes. It yes. is not, you don't always have to speak. Yeah. All you're doing is lending support to that individual while he or she comes to yeah. an answer. Yeah. And yeah. we should be aware of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We That's may not be too. able to solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Terry, uh, from my perspective, we sometimes avoid people who hurt because we feel like we, give it, we owe them an answer. You've got to have an answer, right? And when we, we can't, then we don't know what to do, so we avoid people that hurt when we really need to lean into that. The fact is we don't have to have all the answers, do we? Sometimes we need to be quiet and sit still. Sometimes we might need to cry. That we just need be, to listen. That may be the wisdom of the whole thing. Exactly. How about this one? Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Anybody here got that all figured out in a nice neat package with a little bow on top? Or why does God let you know, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? You know, Sometimes it's hard to untangle this stuff. And sometimes we need to be quiet and just listen and cry. That is so good. Stephen, I think there was someone else. Yeah, Jeff Stewart says, uh, this might connect to last week's message, but James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Humility seems to be the main ingredient in the application of wisdom, which should be part of the discerning if the words from friends is from the Holy Spirit. Mm, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. That's so good. So good. Someone else? Yes, sir. May I put in a plug for uh, fellowship for men sure. and fellowship for women? Sure, sure. To tie in with your message, Chris, I think what Terry said and what others have said, um, there's two men's groups, Stephen, that I know of yours and the ones that we meet with on Thursdays. If you're not involved in an accountability group where you can meet with a group of men, get involved yeah. because long-term friendships that this group that we've been meeting with called City Gates has been meeting together for about five years or six years. And the more we meet together, the closer we become, the more transparent we can be, and we can share wisdom and life with each other transparently because we trust each other. It's really a good thing, and if any of you, uh, I'll just say for Stephen, because I think he wouldn't mind, if you don't part of a men's group, join one of our men's groups or start one of your own because accountability is important. Mm, it is so good. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good, Randy. Thank you for doing that. Anybody else? Stephen online? Anybody? Okay. Yes, sir. Looking at number, uh, number eight here. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a, a roundabout thing. What was Abraham called? Uh, the, the father of Israel or the 
Friend of God. Friend, well, yes, there you friend go. Yep. Yep. And by extension, that make Israel a friend of God. Yes, yes. And yet, Israel experienced a lot of wounds. Yes, yes. Why? <clears throat> because they really abandoned their friend. Their their friend and their father's friend. And, yeah, their father's friend. And yes. So yes. just thinking about about that and, and understanding that wounds really hurt. Mm. They, and, uh, there's a difference in hurt and harm. You know, Big difference. If, if I have appendicitis, you say, well, I don't want to hurt you and take that thing out, then I'm going to die. But if you say, well, God, I'll hurt you a little bit so that I'll harm you and let you die. Yes. And I think we, when, when we're being disciplined to be brought back to righteousness, to be brought back to, to you know, the lover of our soul, Yes. We, that's what we need people to help us gain perspective. Yes. You know, and, and I think that's what a friend does that. Help, okay, well, let's pull back here and see what's God doing here. Yeah. Because there's yeah. something bigger going on here, and I think with, yeah. you know, it is, um, don't believe everything you hear. <laughs> there's another one, don't believe, every, don't believe everything you think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, head games, mind games. The scripture. That's the scripture. Yes, yes, yes. That is so good, Lee. Thank you. Thank you. So are you getting this sense that regarding friendships, a real friend, it's not about popping champagne and having some fun. It's not about the, the folk that best party. That's not what this is about. Can I speak rather frankly with you? It's about holiness. It's about a bond with a person that walks with you toward Jesus. That's what this thing's about. It's not looking for the best party. It's not looking for the, the most fun personality. It's being with people that walk with you on our calling to be followers of the way of Jesus. And that has a price. It has a price. So, you know, probably one of the most unique friendships that you see in the Old Testament is Jonathan and his his friendship with Saul. Lee, do you remember the descriptor? How deep their relationship was, their love? Anybody know? More than that between a man and his wife. You answered well, Jonathan. Yes. What did you say between Jonathan and who? And David. You said Saul. Did I say Saul? You just wait till you're my age. <laughs> Lee, it gets worse. Can I tell you? Now we're all depressed. Oh, yeah, David, Jonathan and David. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, isn't it interesting that both Jonathan and David had the same enemy? And it was Saul. Yeah. And here, Jonathan, that's my dad. <laughs> and David's going, your dad's trying to kill me, you know. And the love, the friendship they found, the love was so deep. It exceeded that between a man and a woman. Wow. Some friendships are gifts from God that defy normal description. This isn't about where the party is and who are the best party folk. This is about people, men, who help men follow Jesus, women who help women follow Jesus. Stephen, yes, sir. Got a comment and then a kind of a serious question. Uh, first, Andrew Lowry says, at the Last Supper, Jesus says to the disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Mm -hmm. And he was saying this to men uh, who would flee from him. His friendship is amazing, it seems. 
he's extending the frank offer of friendship to people who have who have to learn to grow to be faithful friends. And then uh, Jen Mayer, this is you guys just comments in this and offer advice. She asks, or she says, if you see several presenting problems from the same person or group of people, and you are trying to reestablish a relationship, for example, with in-law family members, and they are not honest and forthcoming about any of their feelings toward you, uh, to your face, how do you go about trying to figure out what the core problem is when that other person or persons truly are to try and resolve it? Thank you, Jen. Thank you very much. Christchurch, on it. Your sister asked you a question. And I can repeat any of that if you need to. Yeah. Jen's trying to repair a relationship. Jen says there's repeating deception. How does she handle that? What does she do? Am I getting it, Stephen? Is that kind of the core? Yeah, how do you get past the, how do you get to the core issue, like yeah. we had mentioned earlier? The past present, the presenting the arguments over the date on the milk jug and get to the real issue. Kate, Janice? Well, without honesty, how do you? I mean, yeah. if there is no willingness for honesty, you cannot really drill down to the problem. Yeah, got to have honesty. That is so good. So, Somebody else? Yeah, that's the first thing. What do, what do we do? Someone else. Own this thing, Randy. Oh. First as we've already talked about, Chris, we need to pray. Yes. We need to pray for the other person, first of all, before you ever try to engage with that person. Yes. Pray for God's wisdom. And then there, the thing that comes to my mind is a, is a resource we call love and respect. Yes. Do you really love these people that you want to have a relationship with? And if you do, then own whatever it is that they feel. In other words... How have I disrespected you because I don't really feel love from you right now and I'd like to regain our relationship. Own whatever it is that they feel mm -hmm. and identify with them yes. and then come back and if, it's, if an apology is necessary then make an apology. Yes. yes. Don't try to justify something that they feel strongly about because that's just going to further your distance, your relationship. That's so good, Randy. Thank you. Thank you. Someone else? I think too with, with that is, is it, if there's something going on that's trying to be reconciled. Uh, a reconciliation takes both parties. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have a really good friend that it was, he had a, a breaking relationship with another good friend and, and was reaching out to that friend to say, you know, can we, what I need to do to be reconciled. And, um, and the friend said, the other friend, I don't want to be reconciled with you. He asked her a question, you know, can, I, can we be reconciled close or I need to pray for you from afar? And the other friend's answer was, pray for me from afar. Yeah. yeah. So it, 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 sometimes it, it's going to take that. It'll just take yeah. a lot of prayer for a long time and be patient in that to get to the place where, okay, we can be reconciled. Yeah. Is there a time to walk away from a relationship? Sometimes, yeah. Brian? When we're trying to reconcile, uh, you know, it, it may become in a form of an amends. Yes, yeah, we can. Yeah. But <clears throat> you can't expect anything back in return from that amends. So you're, you're being vulnerable as you're making your amends, and you might not get anything back from that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. So, Stephen? 
So Andrea Lowry comments on that and says, we can make a mistake if we think we for sure know other people's intents, motives, and thoughts. The only way we know someone's thoughts for sure is to hear it from them, which requires asking. So yes. she, she poses the question, so do we want to ask the question, and do we want to listen to the yeah, Andrea, sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> We're so tired of it. Just walk away. Break the wrist, walk away. We're done. But the fact is, yeah, sometimes it, it takes hard conversations. Andrea, thank you for bringing up John's gospel. And thank you for bringing up <clears throat> the heart of Jesus when he dipped his bread in, in the bowl as a gesture of friendship to Judas. Epitomizing kindness and friendship so um, all of you thank you all right this is what we're going to do um, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you a question you ready Abba Father uh, this has been critical we are, we are experiencing life change but we're on the cusp of serious life change and I ask for grace right now please Holy Spirit thank you that you're here right now and your voice is clear in Jesus name yeah okay um I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there someone that you know you've not been a good friend to? Is there somebody that you know you've not been a good friend to and you need to make that right? Uh, and it might be something as simple as showing appreciation. It might be asking forgiveness. It might be, uh, it might be saying, hey, can we, can we meet this week? I want, to, I want to take you out for coffee. I want to talk to you. Um, you need to do that. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said two men are walking to the temple to worship and they, they fallen, had a falling out with each other. What does Jesus say to do before you get to the temple? Make it right. Make it right. Settle it before you get to church. Okay. Settle it quickly. Don't let it fester. All right. You probably have someone in mind. A simple phone call. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been so good. Thank you, everybody online and, and others. Uh, I'm very, very grateful. We're going to worship now, and we're going to sing song, songs. This is what's amazing. Uh, do you, Christchurch, do you understand that... Um, Do you understand that the authority of Romans 8, that nothing will separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Do you understand that? So when we sing, when we worship, we're singing, we're singing to God whose love for us is unending through his son Jesus. And that is a gift beyond beyond what I can get my mind around, you know. I want you to know that love and that will only happen through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We have to know the new birth. So I want to pray for you again. Abba, Father, I love you and I thank you. And I thank you for unfailing love that you give to us through Jesus, your son. And you've called us today to walk a fresh path of wisdom, in our relationships, and to be the friend who pushes hard and runs hard after you. 
God, we're going to worship you and sing songs about your unfailing love. Thank you for each person that's here. In Jesus' name, amen.